Well, it's great to see everyone here today. From time to time, the elders like to kind of update you guys on things that we've been thinking about and praying about. And one of the questions that we continue to ask ourselves is, how do we as Cornerstone Community Church with our unique uh, mix of gifts and talents, how do we best reach the community around us? How do we become a beacon for the gospel, uh, a place where people are growing in their faith and becoming devoted followers of Jesus? And one of our real core values is this, this idea of every member ministry. And that is that if you are a member of Cornerstone, God has given you spiritual gifts, and, and we want you to use those gifts to, to help to serve this, this body. Another core value is this idea of team-based ministry, where we have a lot of different teams that are, are working to, to serve in this church. And so there's teams that, that do uh, nursery. There's a women's ministry team that's doing things like providing meals for people. There, there's uh, a preaching team. You know, Kyle's going to get up here and share in a little bit. And uh, just people using their, their gifts and talents. And, you know, all, we're, all of us are regular people. Uh, you know, Kyle's a realtor uh, when he's not here on Sunday mornings. And uh, I have a job at Pioneer uh, doing computer programming. But we all have gifts and abilities that God has given us. And we really want uh, this to be a church that people continue to use those gifts and talents. And in addition to that, you know, one of the real blessings we have is, is the ability to have a guy like Nick on full-time staff. And uh, it's just a real blessing to be able to have someone that can devote all their time and energy to serving the body here at Cornerstone. And as we ask this question of how can we reach the community around us, we kind of ask the question, how can we best use Nick's uh, time and talents and, and the things that he's passionate about to do that? And so we kind of settled into, th into three areas that we really feel that uh, as we prayed about this and thought about this, that God can use Nick. And and the first is kind of what, what he's, he's been doing for a long time, and that is to continue to, to lead us in, in worship and music and coordinate all the different things that go on with our 1030 service here. Uh, another area is in the area of administration, just helping to, to keep things organized, answer phones, um, send out emails, work with all the different ministry teams to help keep things running smoothly, to kind of be that point guy that, that uh, people can go to for questions or whatever it might be. And this third area that we want to continue to expand is this idea of just outreach into the community. Um, it's a great thing to have someone who can be thinking about the community, thinking about the needs in our community, uh, who has time to devote to, to meet with, with leaders from other area churches and talk to them about, hey, what are the ministries that you guys are doing? How can Cornerstone help? Or what are, th what are gaps? What are things that no one in Johnson is doing? And so having someone that can can do those kind of things is a real blessing. Uh, now, all that stuff, none of that is a real change for Nick. He's been kind of growing in all those, those roles in the past year. But one thing that will be a little bit of a change is he has been uh, begun the process of transitioning out from serving with the high school group. And we are really blessed to have, again, more uh, people that are going to use their gifts and talents, like Justin Bracelin and Mike Johnson that are have already be, been serving with the high school group and will continue serving with the high school group. And so we are really thankful for that. But uh, i just like, Nick, can you just come over here? And, and Heather to come up. We just want to pray for these guys and continue to ask you guys to continue to pray for them. Uh, last week, Nick kind of shared about uh, just some of the, the struggles and things that, that he has been through in the last year, dealing with loneliness and discouragement. 
Can I get some of the other, the other elders to come up? We're going to pray for these guys together. And a verse that, that really uh, came to my mind as I thought about what Nick shared last week, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And I think, how cool is that? That, you know, we are all just regular people with our own shortcomings and our own failures, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is not from us. And to think that the God of the universe, the God who created us, wants to come and use regular people to accomplish his, his eternal purposes is something that's really amazing and something that we can really be thankful for. And so we want to uh, continue to uphold these guys in prayer, and, and uh, so let's just do that now. Jeff, would you uh, pray for them? All right, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, what an opportunity it is for us to just come here this morning before you, the, the God of the universe, the maker of the universe, and just to uh, lift up our praise and, and give you the glory that you deserve. And, and it's all because of your son and that great work that he accomplished for us on Calvary, just being that perfect sacrifice to, to redeem us and to, to cleanse us and to make us perfect in your eyes. And, and we are so grateful for that, Father. And it's because of that and because of this bond that we all share um, that, that we're so excited for uh, Nick and Heather and, and kind of transi transitioning into some new phases and some new uh, things here at Cornerstone. So Thanks, guys. Um, I wanted to share last week my excitement about moving into this uh, kind of new role, um, but it wasn't public yet. So, uh, But I am super excited about it. Um, really feel like God has been leading me in that direction, and I'm excited where God is bringing this church. Like I said last week, Heather and I have never been more excited about the future for Cornerstone and about now for Cornerstone. Um, so blessed to, to serve with you guys. And uh, I don't know if it was like this for anybody uh, last week, but a lot of times, the week after I share something here at church, the week after um, I speak about something, God gives opportunity for me to live that out um, again during the week. And, um, and so just the thought of being thankful when trials come into life. Um, uh, in, Heather and I had just a number of times last week when we were like, oh, now we've, now we've spoke on it. Now we have to live this way. And so there's a number of times we were just like, all right, Let's remember that. Let's remember that. So I don't know if that was a week like that for you, but just a reminder again how um, to thank God in every situation in life. And Paul says in Philippians that you'll hear today that he has learned the secret um, to being fully supplied or in need, and that is that um, he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. And um, meaning I can keep going. In and of myself, I will quit. I will stop. I can never run this race. I don't have what it takes to run the race that God is asking of me. But through Christ who strengthens me, I can keep going. I can keep going. I can get back up and I can be encouraged to continue on. And uh, we're going to sing a song now while the offering comes around. There's two offerings. The second will be our love offering for the quarter. Um, missionaries that we support, that money will go to them. We're going to sing a song called By Your Side, and it's just a reminder of God saying to us, I have never, ever left you, and I will always be by your side. It's my strength that you live with, not your own. Let me remind you of that. So as we sing this song, be blessed.
Morning. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Uh, excited for, for Nick and Heather as uh, God is even moving them in a, in a new direction here at Cornerstone. And, and uh, we want to continue to pray for them, continue to lift them up, uh, and, and obviously for their role in this church. It was awesome to even hear last week and be challenged. Um, I guess just the story of what God is doing, what God is showing them in their life. And that's what we want. We, we want to hear uh, and be challenged by each other's stories. You know, what, what is God teaching us? What is God showing us? What is God revealing to us? And there were times this week when, when Karen and I were talking and, and some things came up this week and, and, you know, both of us wanting not to shake our fist at God. God, why are you letting this happen? But instead what? You know, thank you. Thank you for that. I like to tell you that that's my response always, but, it, you know, it's not always that way. But, man, thank you, God, for, for what's going on. Thank you for this, this trial that's taking place. That's, that's the response uh, we want. That's, that's how we want to respond to God. So it's cool to hear stories of what God is doing. We want to continue to hear stories of how God is, is moving in our lives. Uh, to this morning, it's a little different. We get to talk uh, on a subject that is um, always fun to talk about, and it's giving. It's always one of the, the favorite subjects is, is giving. And, and I want to first say that you know, we're talking about this not because... We're sitting here and, and telling you, okay, this morning you need to give, empty your wallets. That, that's not at all what we're talking about. We want to talk about it because Jesus spoke about it a lot. Jesus brought this, this idea of giving and money up all the time. And why is that? Why, why did Jesus speak about that? Why did he bring it up? Well, you, you remember him telling that no one can serve two masters, right? He says no one can serve both God and money. And that's the reality is, is for us a lot of us, and probably across the board, is that money, possessions, and things can become our God, can, can control us, can determine on how we live our life and our pursuit of God and his kingdom. So we want to be challenged in, in looking at Philippians, be challenged by the church at Philippi, because more than any other church in, in the New Testament, the Philippians were a church, and the church of Philippi was a place, man, that, that gave. And they were a great example. They were commended and upheld because they were a church that gave. They were a church that, that, that fellowshiped with Paul in money and other things often. And if you go back and you'd read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, and I'm not going to, uh, to read that now, but there's, there's a few points that I want to make in that. And I bring it up because it's talking about the church in Macedonia and the church of Philippi was, was part of that. So here's the church at Philippi talking about this, and these are some of the things that were talked about in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 in this issue of giving, in this issue of money. Four major points that I want to bring up as we talk about this idea of money, we talk about this idea of giving. Four principles. The first one is in verses 2 and 3 in chapter 8, and this first idea is it's sacrificial, that giving is sacrificial. Here's what it says. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able. It's sacrificial. Out of their severe trial, out of their poverty, what they do? They gave. They gave. When they had nothing, they gave. So the first point is people who are supposed to give, as people who are supposed to give, and, and as Alan kind of alluded to, he talked about, you know, Cornerstone, we talk about our, our time and our talents and what we do with them. 
There's a saying that we used to say often, still part of in our makeup and our DNA, is our time, treasures, and talents. Time, talents, and treasures. I don't know the order. Is there a specific order? No matter the Raleigh, so who cares? All right, time, talents, and treasures. Okay, what do we do with our time? How are we pursuing Jesus with the time that we've been given? With our talents. The gifts that God has given us, all right, the spiritual gifts, the other talents that he's given us, how are we pursuing his kingdom? With the treasures, with our money, with our possessions, how are we pursuing his kingdom? As we want to always go back and ask ourselves that question, my time, my talents, my treasures, how am I pursuing the kingdom of God? And so first, the first thing we see here is sacrificial. The church of Philippi, they gave sacrificially, all right? It's easy for some of us, you know, we drop a 20 in, that's fine. You know, we drop a couple hundred bucks in, it's fine. For some of us, you know, maybe you drop a $20 bill in or you give $20 for something, that's sacrificial. Somebody else may give $1,000 and it's not sacrificial at all. You, you look back and, and remember the, widow, the widow's might, right? She gave all that she had. Jesus recognized her heart, yet there's rich people putting money in or whatever. It's the heart. It's a matter of a heart. She was giving sacrificially. So we want to be challenged that as part of our giving with our treasures, it's sacrificial. The second thing, verses 11 and 12 in chapter 8, it says, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. It's proportional, right? Our giving is proportional, that you could have a family of, with 17 kids making $50,000 a year and a single guy making $40,000 a year, and proportionally, you know what, that, that single guy probably could give more, right, than trying to feed 17, you know, 17 mouths or, or whatever. You get my point. Proportionally, we give in proportion to what God has given us. My, my grandpa has always reminded me that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns the hills as well, right? It's all his anyway. God has given to us. Every good thing is from God. It is us. He's given these gifts to us. So really, all we're doing is giving back what's already his. We give proportionally to what he has given us. On to chapter 9, verses 5 and 7, it says this, Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Verse 7, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That we give cheerfully. Again, it's all his anyway, right? It's not ours, that I can cheerfully give. God, you have given me these things. You have given me money. You've given me these possessions. And now I want to give it back to you because it's yours anyway. Cheerfully, right? Cheerfully give it back to him. And the last thing, verse 11 in chapter 9, it says, so you can be generous on every occasion. That giving is something that happens on a regular basis. On every occasion. That looks different for, for a lot of us, right? If you're maybe retired and you may get a check at the end of every month, and out of that, maybe you give. Some of us may get a paycheck every week, right? So it's a, it's a weekly thing. God's, God's giving us. God's giving us money. He's giving us what's already his, and we give back out of that. If you're like me, they're, they're more sporadic, and every now and then you get a couple checks, and then you don't get one. But when we get what God has given us, we give, right? And so that's what Karen and I have been challenged with. When we get that, we give back 
what's already his. And so these are four great principles if you read through 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. I know it's not fun to talk about giving, but it, Jesus talks about it. Jesus brings it up often, and it's what we see here from the church of Philippi. Is these guys were a church that gave, gave generously, uh, cheerfully. They were a great example of a church that gave. And so we look at that because that's what 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is dealing with that church at Philippi and the other churches in Macedonia. He's challenging them to give, and he's looking back at that example. So we look at that as we look ahead to Philippians chapter 4. So let me read what we're going to talk about today in Philippians chapter 4. Starting in verse 10, it says this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned but had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me again and again when I was in need. You sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, for I know, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment, and even more, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Aphrodite the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray before we dig in here. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Philippians, that we can look at a church and we can look at, at people that ha have pursued you and followed you, even with their finances, even with their, their possessions and their money. And God, we want to be challenged that not only to look at our money, but to look at how we, what we do with our time and what we do with our talents, and ultimately, what also we do with our money and our treasures, our possessions. So God, challenge us as Paul has encouraged and challenged uh, the church at Philippi. Teach us today from your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we go back, verse 10, here's what he says. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have shown, you have been concerned, but now have had the opportunity to show it. All right, this is a church, again, they've been an expensive church, a church that has been a great example of what it is to give. They have been a partner. Remember back in Philippians chapter 1, verse 5, what, is, what does Paul say about this church? Because of your partnership in the gospel. These guys have joined with them. And we'll see it here later in the chapter, but they are a partner with what Paul is doing. And we know Paul's ministry, what is it? Paul is going to the ends of the earth as he knows it to share this gospel. Ultimately, what we do with our finances, what we do with our money comes back to this, that the point of giving and the point of the church at Philippi giving to Paul, right, was to be a partner in what he was doing, to reach people with this message of Jesus. You know, Hank Haspazy here, he, he, uh, he was Sunday school teacher, you know, back in the day, many, he'd been married 30 years now, it was many years before that. He was my Sunday school teacher, and I remember him telling me one time, he says, you know, when we get to heaven, everything's going to be better. 
But the one thing we can do here is tell people about Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be about. It's the one thing that will not improve when we get to heaven because obviously everybody there will know already. But now, now we are about telling people about Jesus. Paul and what he's about is taking this message to the ends of the earth, right? And these guys are our partners with him in that. It, it says later here in, in, in Philippians that they are an acquaintance of the gospel. They know Jesus. They have a relationship with Jesus. They, they have come to know Paul through him sharing the message, and now they are partners in that. And the reason they are sharing financially with their money, because they are partners, because they want to see people one for Jesus. You know, as Cornerstone, we, we partner with people, don't we? You can ask the missions team. We got missionaries we partner with who are going to share the message. We, we partner with people like Amy Miller, right, who's out of camp. We partner with other people because these are people who are sharing the message of Jesus. That's the point. It's not just about giving money, okay? Oh, I've done my duty. I've done, I've done my thing. I've gave a little money. The point is I want to give for the advancement of the gospel. And, and what you give and, and how much you give and that's what it comes back to. The purpose is we want to see people come to know Jesus. It's the same thing we're going to be talking about uh, starting this, this building project. We're starting a series next week in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a, probably a great lead-in for what we want to do in constructing this new building. But it's going to come back. You know, eventually, you know, we're going to be challenged as a church. Okay, let's give. Let's give to this project so God can use the building, not just so we can have a place to get together and hang out eat together, that type of thing. But we give for that. Why? For the advancement of the gospel. We want a building, not so we can hang out, have a good time. We want a building so we can use it as a tool that people may come to know Jesus. So lives may be changed because of the gospel. Lives may be changed hopeless, lost, broken, and find the hope and the freedom found in Jesus. Amen? Amen. So that's why we want to give. And when we are challenged to give for a new building, it's because we want to see lives won for the, for the sake of Jesus, for the gospel. That's what it all comes back to. These guys joined with Paul in giving because of the gospel. Let's continue on. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether being well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul has learned the secret, hasn't he? The secret of contentment. And it's a secret that a lot of us could probably stand to learn. I could stand to learn it. How many times do I look at some? oh, man, if I could have that, you know? I show houses all the time, and I find myself saying that, wow. That thing's got four garages. I could put a car in there, a boat in there, and this idea of contentment that I'm reminded, oh, yeah. Guy in Bondurant or somebody in Bondurant won a $200 million Powerball. Man, the things I could do with, you know, contentment. Paul has learned what it is to be content, to have being plenty or want to be well-fed or to be hungry. And so he's telling Philippi, it's not that I need the money or not that I need your gifts, that I've, I've learned what it is to be content. And this is, this is a lesson I think a lot of us need to, dirt, to learn. Not, not, maybe not even in money, maybe in, in our life situation, wherever God has found us right now, contentment. God, you have me here for a reason. God, you put me in this place 
for a reason. And the question now is not what's next, but why am I here? And how can you use me right now in this situation? You know, Paul's in prison when he writes this, right? Contentment. Paul has found contentment. There's a, there's a great lie, I think, that's being, that's being told, and it's being told in a lot of churches. I remember reading a book by Joel Olstein, and this opening line of the book is talking, you know, you should expect more, a bigger house, more money than your parents. God has promised you that. That's a lie. What, is, what does Paul say? Paul says, be content in your circumstances. There's no promise of more, right? The disciples gave up everything, didn't they? They gave up everything. We look at the, the widow and the, the widow's might, and she gave up everything. You know, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, right? They, they sell a piece of land, and uh, they die because they held a piece back. But there's no promise of something more as far as what this world has to offer. The disciples gave up everything. The promise, the promise is Jesus, that he is what we need. And, and, and Paul understands that, doesn't he? I've learned to be content, whether in, in plenty or in want or well-fed or hungry. He's learned contentment. You know, I talked about it all being his anyway. And, and when we learn this idea of contentment, we learn kind of how to give. We learn what to do with our treasures. I remember Randy and Sherry Nesbitt, uh, you know, they, they, we, we worked with the youth group many, many, many years together and they had a nice house, they had nice vehicles, but you know what they did? Those things aren't bad, okay? It's not bad to have a nice house or a nice vehicle. It's what we do with those things. But what Randy and Sherry always taught me is that, much like my grandpa, it's all his anyway. The cattle, the hills, it's his. And we would pack 80 or more high school students into the basement, and there wasn't a week that, that didn't go by that somebody didn't spill a pop. You know, Sherry's response, she'd get down, clean it up. That's all right, that's okay. You know, if we were going to go on a trip, what would they do? Well, take our van, you know. It's not mine anyway. What an example. What an example. My house, my car, my money, they are not mine. They are his. Owns the cattle and the hills as well. It is all his. Being content, and we realize what it is to be content, and we realize that. It's not mine. You know, whether I have plenty or in want, or well-fed, or hungry, it's all his anyway. Continues on, verse 13, it says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Probably the most misinterpreted verse in the Bible, isn't it? I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Do you see guys like Evander Holyfield, you know, he puts it on his shorts, he goes and beats the snot out of somebody. I'm sure that's what God had in mind, right? It's not out of buddy, get millions of dollars. I can do anything who God gives me strength. It's important to know what you're reading and not just to grab a verse and run with it. What's Paul talking about here? Paul's talking about being content. Paul's talking about, yeah, I, I, there's been times when I've been in need. There's been times when I've been, you know, I've, I've had enough. There's been times I've been hungry. But through Christ, I can do it, right? Through Jesus, who gives me strength, I can accomplish it. This idea of being content in it, all in every circumstance, I can do because of him. I can do it because of Jesus. Now, I, I'm not telling you that we shouldn't strive and have a mindset that, you know, we want to improve on things. I, I, I love reading the book of Proverbs, and I think Proverbs is going is to challenge us to, you know, to do our best, to, to strive to be our best. I, I admire guys. You know, I was listening to an interview with Kobe Bryant this week, and 
Kobe Bryant talked about uh, they're going to put a new offense in this week. And he says, oh, well, when did you talk to Mike Brown about putting a new offense in? He says, well, 10 minutes after we lost to the Thunder. 10 minutes later, what's this guy doing? Thinking about ne what's next. So I love that kind of mindset. And that mindset isn't bad, okay? But that's not what Paul's talking about. Paul's not talking about, okay, if I, if I think I can hit a ball 400 yards, Jesus is going to give me the strength to do it. I'm never hitting a golf ball 400 yards, all right? Not going to happen. Paul is talking about contentment. In my circumstance, in the place that God has put me, I can do it. Jesus has given me this circumstance. Jesus has given me this situation. God has put me in this position, and I can do it through his strength. But being contentment is what Paul is talking about in this section. Continues on, verse 14. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. There's the what and the why. Look at those three verses. I see what, why. What did they do? Time and time again, they sent when there was need, they met it. What, what a thing for a church to do. What a thing for a church to be about. When there is a need, it was met. And as a church, man, that's what we want to be about, right? I mean, the church is often referred to. We're a family. We're a family. We're, we're, we're a group of believers that have come together to follow Jesus. And if there is a need, we want to meet it. And the church at Philippi has set that great example. And sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's support. Sometimes it's whatever it is. It's this idea that again and again, if there was a need, they stepped up and they met it. And ultimately, you go back, why did they do it? We already talked about this. Why did they do it? Here it is. In the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, this is the why, the reason. It's because of Jesus. Again, I talk about, we already talked about it. They have a partnership, right? Philippians 1.5, their partnership in the gospel. They have an acquaintance with the gospel. They know Jesus. They have a relationship with Jesus, and they want to see more people come to know Jesus. If I'm going to give my money, my time, and my resources, I want it to be for the gospel. We give to an organization called Compassion International. I'm sure many of you do the same. Compassion International is an awesome organization. They help people in need without much, and you know what they do it through? They teach in the Bible. They share the gospel. They want to reach that child and their family with the message of Jesus. So I love to be able to partner in something like that because they know Jesus. It's a partnership in the gospel. There are other organizations, which I'm sure, you know, in and of themselves are, are decent organizations, but, man, do I want to give my money to something that's not sharing the message of Jesus? So I can walk down, I give $1,000 to a homeless guy, and it seems pretty cool, but it's kind of pointless if I don't tell him about Jesus. My good deeds, my work, my giving, pointless if I don't point them to the cross, if I don't point them to Jesus, if I don't tell them the reason I want you to be not in need is because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done on the cross. Paul had a partnership with these guys. And this church at Philippi wanted to partner because they wanted more people to know Jesus. Verse 17 through the end of the chapter here, it says, not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment, and even more, I am amply supplied. Now that I have received, 
from Aphrodite the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to the Lord. The maturity, the mark of maturity is good stewardship. The mark of maturity is good stewardship. And it comes down to those three principles we already talked about. The mark of being a mature Christian is what am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my talents? What am I doing with my treasures, right? What am I doing with those things? And the mark of spiritual maturity is asking the question, okay, my time, where do I invest my time? Is it for the advancement of the gospel? Am I involved in things where people are going to encounter the love of God or people are going to encounter a living Jesus with my time, with my talents, with my, with my, my talents and the gifts that God has given me? Am I pursuing his kingdom? And then ultimately what we're talking about here, my treasures, the possessions that God has given me, all his anyway, the money that God has given, all his anyway, what am I doing with those things? My, ta- my time, my talents, my treasures. And this isn't, what's Paul remind these guys? Saying, it's not for me, all right? Understand that I, I'm not asking for this so I can be taken care of. I'm asking this for you. I love Paul. I love his heart because always we see the heart of Paul. What is it? It's for other people. Paul's never been like, well, take care of me, do this, do that. Paul is always praying for other people. Paul is always challenging other people. His heart is always other people. What a heart to have, right? That it's not about me, that we're reminded this life is not about me, but Paul, a guy who, remember a couple weeks ago, told us, follow me, because I follow Jesus, has given us an example of what it is to follow Jesus, and here we get another great picture. Hey, don't give so I can be taken care of. That's not the point. Give because you're going to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Give sacrificially, cheerfully, proportionally. Why? So you can deepen your relationship with God. So you can know Jesus. It's an act of worship, right? That's what he says right here in 19. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. Giving our time, our talents, and our treasures is an act of worship to God. And Paul challenging us, remember that. This is a fragrant offering. Also why it's something we are to do often, right? It's on a regular basis. We just don't give here and then a couple years later, oh yeah, I'll give again and make, it's not about us. Okay? It's not about us. It's an act of worship to Jesus. Verse 19 says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Again, that, that mark of maturity is, is being good stewardship, all right? It's not affluence. It's not in uh, being in a position of influence or having money. But mark maturity is good stewardship. And it's realizing the difference between need and want. It's easy for us to, you know, I, I got two kids, and they definitely don't understand the difference between need and want. My, my, my son all the time. I need ice cream, Daddy. I need ice cream. You need ice cream. I want to go to Cherry Berry, Daddy. You know, he wants to go to Cherry Berry and get ice. That's an ice cream place for you that don't know. He loves it. You know, he wants, oh, I need it. He doesn't need ice cream, right? You know, every now and then I give in and get him some ice cream. But it's the difference between need and want. And Paul says, and my God will meet all your needs, all your needs. Not talking about ice cream, 
okay? He's not talking about so I can have this great life and have an easy life and have this, this great house with a six-car garage. And to, you know, you've seen that State Farm commercial. These two guys are talking. I just saw it the other day. Two guys, and they're looking at their neighbor, and he's got a boat. He's got jet skis. He, you know, he's got like four cars, a couple motorcycles. It's all right there. And they're like, yeah, but what's his insurance, you know? So, you know, they're here. They're coveting over all his items, all right? It, that's, that's not the point. What's Paul say? If you give, if you understand this fragrant offering, I'll meet your needs. I'll take care of you, all right? It doesn't mean that you're going to have the biggest house on the block. doesn't mean you're going to have the most money in your wallet. But it means I will take care of you, and I will meet your needs. And what, what to have a heart like that, to be like the church at Philippi, that we give, that we meet each other's needs sacrificially, provisionally, regularly. You know, often we do these things. Man, God, I think, would reveal himself in some pretty cool ways. And so be challenged, you know, not, not just now with what you do your money, but as we talk about, you know, moving forward with this building, ooh, this is what we want to be about. Partnership in the gospel because of our acquaintance with the gospel. This is what we want to be about. The band's going to come back up here, and, and we want to be reminded again that this is an offering to God. What we do with our time, what we do with our talents, what we do with our treasures is an offering to God. And it's something that God has set a great example for us, hasn't he? I mean, look at Jesus. Jesus was generous, wasn't he? He's turned water into wine. He's feeding 5,000 people here and 5,000 people there. You know, he's feeding people. Jesus was always generous. We have a God who is generous. It's all his, and yet he still gives us something. Every good thing is from God. What, what a generous God. It's all his. And then we think ultimately how generous our God is. Lost, broken, dying people, and God gives us his son. How generous a God we have. That in spite of how ugly I am and all my sin and all my imperfection, I got a God that gives, a God that gives his son. And, and now we're going to continue to worship. We're going to remember Jesus and this great God that has given us his son in the bread and the juice, his body that was broken and his blood that was shed. And if you know Jesus and you have a relationship with Jesus and there's not sin in your life that needs to be confessed, we encourage you to come up and remember Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship, we would encourage you more than anything that you know this great God that we serve, this giver of the greatest gift you could ever know, and that is what Jesus has done on the cross, that he's given us his son. If you don't know him, we want to challenge and encourage you. Today, you can know him. Today, you can be right before a perfect and holy God, not because of you, not because of anything you've done, but because you can know Jesus, and he can make you right before God. If you're dealing with sin in your life, and if there's something you need to get right before God, I would encourage you, and I challenge you, even yet this morning, get right before God, right now, this morning, today. Confess sin. If you need to go out of the hall and call somebody and ask for forgiveness, do it. Our God is generous, he forgives, and he wants to restore your relationship with him. And for the rest of us, and we want to remember this great thing. We never want to forget this great God, this great giver that's given us his son. So we want to thank him, 
for his son, Jesus, and remember Jesus in the bread and the juice. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are so good. What a great God, a giver of such good gifts. Everything is yours. The cattle on the hills, it's all yours. And God, this morning you have given us the greatest gift we could ever know. The gift of your son, Jesus. And we want to remember him. We want to thank you for him. We want to sing and praise you because of him and because of what it means for us. That knowing him, I am right before you. Knowing him, I have a place in heaven prepared. Knowing him, no matter what life happens, no matter what it throws at me, I'm content because my position is secure in you because of him. So we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the new life we have in him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. hope you are, are challenged this week. You know, if I, if, I was a, if I was a good preacher, I'd probably lock the doors and send the offering around again, but we're not doing that, obviously. We, but we want you to be challenged. What are we going to do with our, our time? What are we going to do with our talents? What are we going to do with our treasures? And remember, it's all from him. He's the giver of all good things. So be challenged this week. My time, my treasures, my talents, all that is his. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being such a good God, a giver of good things. And God, we want to give all of it back to you. It's all yours, God. So, so challenge us, help us, encourage us as we pursue your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming.